We're going to continue with our series, All the Right Stuff. In this installment, I'm going to talk about all the right joy. All the right joy. Now, joy is one of those words. It's such an emotional word. But I want to explain to you what joy is from the biblical sense. Because it has nothing to do on outside of us. It has everything to do with what God does to us and for us. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to share a scripture, and I'm going to give you some time to find it, because, you know, it's, but it's a famous scripture. I know every, every one of you read this scripture at least once a week. <laughs> it's a great book. It's a very famous book. It's called Habakkuk. And y'all looked at me like, Habakkuk who? Habakkuk. It's a prophet. He's what he's called the complaining prophet. But he's, um, you can turn right at uh, Zephaniah in between Zechariah, and you can get it right there, and you have Habakkuk, one of my favorite books. It's a short book. It's only three chapters. And before I read the scripture, I'll give you a little background what's going on. Habakkuk is one of the prophets, and if you know your history about the children of Israel, they sinned and fell in, they fell into sin and idolatry. And they were in two kingdoms. One time they were one kingdom with two kingdoms, the north and the south. About 722 B.C. I was only 12 years old then. Booker was 13. And uh, <laughs> they had, um, God used a people, the Assyrians, to really discipline the children of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. 722 B.C., they were overrun by Assyrians. Judah, I would have known if my brethren were run down from idolatry and sin, I think I would get a hint. But they didn't. They continued their idolatry and their sin. And you have Habakkuk who was prophesying. He's a prophet in the nation. And he was really, really upset about what he saw in his people. They were um, just running loose without God. They weren't paying attention. Idolatry, everything was falling apart. Everything was coming on unwound. And I love, he has what he called a burden for his nation. But he had also a concern for what God was going to do. And I know one thing, I want to encourage you with this. In your prayer time, if you have a burden or concern, you do what Habakkuk did. He went straight to the Lord and asked some real questions. And God gave him some real answers. It's okay to dialogue with God. And now he asked God, what about, how are you going to take care of these guys, the, um, the, the the kingdom of Judah, they continually just not paying attention to you. And God said this, well, I'm going to send a nation from the north, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to discipline them. And he said, wait, I just thought you were going to snap your finger and do that. And that's what he was, that was what's going on. <coughs> and he asked another question. After you do that, how are you going to restore the people? Because you're going to use a foreign nation to wipe out, not wipe out, to discipline your own people? And God gave him an answer in the end of chapter 2 about how, if you know the history, as the Babylonians uh, took out um, Judah in 586 B.C., they uh, scattered for 70 years. They were disciplined. And God sent another kingdom, the Persian kingdom. And they're the ones that came and took out the Babylonians and enabled 
the Jews to go back. Because God is sovereign. He can use whatever he wants, any way he wants. Sometimes your enemies will bless you. You don't even know it. I want to tell you that's one thing about that book. And if you look at some of the things, I'm giving you all this old history. You can look at our world history right now. Babylon, Iraq. Persia, Iran. They're still fighting. But we're free. Amen? Amen. Know your history. Don't, you got to watch what's going on. It's good to know history again. But this is where it takes you in chapter 3. And he opens chapter 3 with a prayer and he ends it with the praise. Because he recognized a lot of things are wrong, but he also recognized that he serves an awesome God who can make all things right. And I'm going to unpack this for you because there's certain things about the joy of the Lord. You heard this line, the joy of the Lord, your strength. You say, what does that mean? How do you activate the joy? I'm going to tell you how to do that. Because it's an internal thing. Regardless what it looks like outside around you, you can party on the inside. Because God is our God. He's not taken by surprise on anything that you might see or experience. Amen? Amen. Starting in verse chapter 3, verse 7. Did everybody find Habakkuk? It's our favorite book. And you said, I got to give me some Habakkuk tonight. <laughs> got to have me some Habakkuk. Y'all going to be smart when this is all over. Say, what you learn from Pastor Rich? Habakkuk. Now, if you're from the East Coast, don't say Habakkuk, okay? <laughs> it's a backer. Yeah, Northeastern, they, every time you, it depends what school you go to, everybody has a different name, so it's Habakkuk, all right? Verse 17, this is, this, is a, this is something else. This is when he starts to rejoice. He says, though the fig trees shall not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olives fail, and the fields yield no fruit, food, food, excuse me. The flock be cut off from the fold. And there be no herd in the stalls. What a way to start off a praise. Bad news. But I like the next, the next verse. Yet. You got to circle yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take the joy in God of my salvation God the Lord is my strength he makes my feet like deers he makes me tread on high places let me pray Father God I ask that you help us to learn by your spirit in Jesus name amen now you see two words here rejoice and you see the word joy in the midst of everything he sees you can always you got here's the key to this thing you have joy in the Lord. Outside of the Lord, there is no joy. There's happiness that might last until your gas tank runs out. Or you have a, um, a bill that you wouldn't expect. Or you had a bad, what we call a bad day. So joy, I love when we talk about God and his attributes, everything that we get to use, church, is his. We just got to learn how to use them. So he talks about the joy in the Lord. Now, when you look at the word rejoice, that first one, it means to jump for joy. So when you see them jumping, it's biblical. Don't say it's not your personality. It's rejoice. 
The other one, joy, it means to spin around and be glad. <laughs> now, a friend of mine told me one time, he says, no, it was one of my old brother Felix told us this. He said, now, Brother Rich, I know when you went to the club, you used to spin around. <laughs> so now when you're in the Lord's house, you need to spin around. He rebuked me around the second row. I'm like, come on, Brother Felix. He's an amazing guy. Big old guy, remember? He was always smiling, laughing. Because he knew he had a definition of what joy was. And he always had a hard, seemed like he always had a hard time on the external, but the joy of the Lord was definitely his strength. Give you this next bullet. You can write this down. Joy, as opposed to happiness, is eternal permanent and based on who God is in our lives not what is happening around us our joy is based on who God is in our life not the things that happen happening around us have you noticed just the last few years there's always the last couple years there's always something going on Last year, we were all going to die from the bird flu, whatever that thing was. (laughs) Then the war, then this, now the gas. And news, when you turn it on, have you noticed that you start to sweat? Because there's no such thing as good news anymore, except in the church. The gospel that we listen to and preach is really the good news. But seeing it, I'm not gonna, I can't say that on, on tape. But some, it's just, sometimes it's just, I went to the um, hospital yesterday to get my, uh, some medication. And I tell you what, first we're in a long line waiting. It's okay. I called Donna. You got CNN News here. I'll say it anyway. <laughs> and you got Fox News here. <laughs> and they're going at it. So everybody now, even though the line is long, now have you heard like some praise music in there? That's a suggestion, Michael Bob. Tell them to put some praise music in there. <laughs> they won't have any complaints. But once you hear this guy telling you how bad it is on this side and this ear, how bad it is on this side, then they start yelling at the pharmacist. Will you hurry up? Will you hurry up? <laughs> it pumps them everywhere. It's like, give me a break. Can we have something happy? Like, come on now. You notice that? They can't even say, well, the economy's turning, but don't get too up, don't get too excited about that, because I have another expert to tell you that it's not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just put God as the expert? Yeah. It always works. Yeah. Romans eight twenty eight, all things work for the good. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But you I'm, when I'm I'm giving you this really is rant to inform you and let you know outside of of God, his presence, his word, there isn't much good news. Have you noticed that? But with God, all things work together for the good. One thing I put down here, we can have joy in the Lord or we can have weep in the consequences. When we look outside our, 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 our consequences, it'll make you want to cry sometimes. 
There's a, there's a story in the Bible in, in Numbers 14.1. It talks about the children is about to step into the promised land. And God had already said, I'm giving you the land. And, you know, they had a good idea. Let's go in and see how far, how to get in there and how to get out. So these, you had 12 spies take off for 40 days. Now, I, I mapped it just this morning. Those guys were gone 40 days and covered 500 miles. Brought back all this fruit. They can hardly carry the, the stuff, how great it was. They come back, and they ask them how it's going. Bad question. <laughs> well, they went into this spiel. The people are this. We can't make it. It's tough. Uh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And I'm saying, you were gone 40 days, 500 miles, and no one saw you? And you're still alive to tell this story. Well, what happened was, <laughs> naturally, you heard, they heard bad news. They looked at the consequences. They forgot what God said that you can have it. The land is yours. All you got to do is step into it. Well, they started to cry and carry on in their tents. Then they had the great idea, let's just fire Moses and we'll start up, get our own leader. And the reason what happened, they looked at the consequences versus looking at what God said, remembering what God said. How many have been there? I remember when I used to play basketball, and you could play against some tough dudes. It seemed like, it just seemed like, oh man, coach, we're not going to make it. Coach, we're not going to make it. I think, man, they're too big. They're big. And our coach, in them days, you allowed to get, you allowed to just get snatched up. Now they say that's, that's bad. He'll grab you by your collar. Remember the play. <laughs> he didn't care. And that was a nice way he put it. Because he's a coach. I never had a coach say hi to me. He always yelled at you. Remember the play. Remember what we scripted. When we scripted, we can beat these guys. We remember. We beat the guys. We didn't panic. They didn't remember. They would have a joyous occasion going into the promised land that they were already given them. They walked out with all the, the blessings, just a, just a sample. It was the grapes. Man, I, I love grapes. These were some great grapes. They were so big. They had to carry, two guys had to carry them. We would have been eating for, I said, go where? Not, I'm not going with you. I'm going where the grapes are going. Think about it. They had the evidence right there of God's blessing. But they got fearful and started thinking about the consequences. And they fouled out. And they got exactly what they said. Oh, you, did he leave us? Did he take us all the way out here to the wilderness to die? God said, yeah. So I'm going to wait. You're going to go. You're not going in. Your children are. And the two guys, Joshua and Caleb, that wasn't fair. Had to wait 40 years. All because they didn't enjoy the joyous moment that was right in front of them. When God sows blessing in your life and you've got so many things, you have no choice but to be joyful. You don't worry about what's in front of you because you know God's with you to defend you, to protect you, to watch over you. 
regardless what it looks like. You can't be stopped when God has you on something. Amen? Look at what joy produces. I like this one. Joy produces confidence and strength. Nehemiah 8.10. This is Nehemiah. I love history. Again, you can tell. He was one of the guys that came back to restore after 70 years to restore, help restore the, uh, the temple and the wall. He built the wall. If you know anything about famous about building the wall of Jerusalem. And then he reinstated the law. And what happened was they read the law to the people and they got convicted and they started to cry. And I understand that. But they also forgot that God, they also forgot that God forgave them. Because what happens if you're um, bewildered and you're crying, it wears you out. Look what happened here. Then he said to them, go your way, eat fat, eat the fat and drink sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day. This day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Gives them confidence. They had confidence to know that their sins will Pardon at the moment, forgiven at the moment, restored, restoration, God has showed up. He says, now go take that, that blessing and help those who don't know it. Sound like the church, doesn't it? We're forgiven. We're overcomers. And then we serve the people who don't know the difference. That's why he wants us to take what we have, what they're doing in Waco and going to Bella University, and take it to them. And do it with a smile on your face. Not a fake smile, but the joy of the Lord should rise up within you. Because you have the confidence that I'm standing with God. And God is with me. And I have a message to say. That God is good. And he loves you so much. So it's not about me. It's all about the joy of the Lord in me. Because I'm saved on my worst day, guys. I'm going to heaven. So I already know the end from the beginning. So why won't I have joy? But you know, I have to remember that. I have to remember that. I have to remember that. Because we forget very quickly. We're no different than the children of Israel. I used to get on them a lot. I used to say, oh, guys don't know what they're doing. Well, <laughs> we had the same issue. We can cross the Red Sea and we get over there and we'll go like this and party and spin around. And the minute we don't have a paycheck, <laughs> Moses, I'm broke. There's no water. There's no nothing. Complaining. Guilty. Because we forget. Amen? Look at this. As we rejoice in God and delight in his presence, he will show himself strong by helping us and defending us. I love that part. I love that. When we walk, rejoice in God and delight in his, like we did tonight, we delighted in his presence. How many felt something tonight when we were worshiping? That was amazing. When you're like, some of you are like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Ooh, that does not feel good. Don't fight it. That's God tapping you on the shoulder. Saying, let me in. Amen. 
Now, how many want to know how to activate your, pray, your, uh, your joy? Because it's not about having a smiley face. <laughs> no. It's not singing kumbaya either. It's about, think about it. I'm going to give you uh, how it's activated by prayer and praise. Remember where Habakkuk started. The first 16 verses was a prayer. The last three was his praise. And prayer and praise is how you activate your joy. Now, I'm not trying to get you, I'm not, I have to sh- share something with you. It's not about just doing it on a Sunday and a Wednesday. You need to activate your joy every morning before you go out the door. And all it is takes a prayer, getting God's word. And you just say, thank you, God, for just another breath to breathe, some breath. Thank you, Lord, that I was able to sleep through a good night and I'm awake to show, your, show people that you're awesome. I have another 24 hours to do that. But that happens in your homes. This is just a, uh, we just do this together corporately, which is fantastic. But it's amazing when you get to do this in your home. And you know something? Your perspective changes. Do you notice the same thing happens every day in your life? But the only thing that changes is your perspective and how you react, how we react or respond to it. See, if I don't, um, miss, if I miss my prayer time in praising God, <laughs> I react. But when I spend time with God, I respond. Because I had spent a lot of years in, in a job that if I didn't learn how to respond, you might have read about me. Because <laughs> it was like, you guys are crazy. You're driving me nuts. Where's my Louisville slugger? Because before I got to work, things were happening. And that's at four in the morning sometime. I said, did you all stay up all night to figure this out? Or just to bug me when I came in? <laughs> when I reacted. When I responded, I was on the ball. I said, okay, we need to do this, 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 this. But when you respond, I like this. I would keep myself accountable by this. When I respond, I'm acting like Jesus. When I react, I'm acting like a jerk. J and J. Depending on the day. <laughs> How are we doing with that? I just want to be honest with you. Because I got I to gotta fire as much. I, you know, see people see me in Walmart. Here's the pastor. I might not have a pastoral day that day. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) It might be one of those days. You know, ever have one of those days? And I missed it somewhere? Like I said, hi, how you doing? Or I hope they don't come near me. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. But think about it. It's real. It's everyday. It's an everyday relationship with Jesus Christ. When I played sports, it was an everyday thing. Couldn't miss practice. When we miss practice, it shows we miss practice. How many football players I got in here? Got any football players? Oh, you're not a football player, are you? Okay. Any uh, track stars, runners, anybody? Y'all look like football players. No? Okay, y'all be my bodyguard then. No, really, basketball. But really, we miss practice. You, you can tell. When I miss time with the Lord, you can tell. 
Okay, and that's with all of us. And as pastors and we do what we do, we can tell when people miss some time. But you got to make time like God made time for us. Amen. It's activated by prayer and praise. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Then we'll close. We doing okay? All right. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Acts chapter 16. Got two guys, Paul and Silas, trying to do the right thing. They come in to preach the gospel. They have a young lady who's, uh, who can tell fortunes, and she was getting paid. She, when, she was able, when she was on the ball, all her bosses were getting paid, and they followed Paul around. She followed Paul around for about three days, kept saying, these are the men of the Lord of Jesus who are going to uh, talk about salvation. And she kept on, she kept on, she kept on. And then Paul had a moment. He says, pretty much, she got on my nerves, so I cast it out of her. <laughs> So he cast the demon out of her. So it was a nice, you thought it would be a nice thing. And then she just accepted Christ. Well, that didn't work. Because no one was getting paid. There was no thank yous for that. Because now you took away my income. So they beat him with rods. Those are the rods that had metal tips in them. Then they decided, that's not enough. Let's throw him in jail. In the inner dungeon. See, it was a couple, just a couple levels of, of jail in those days. The inner dungeon, shackled, locked up. Now, Paul and Silas, if I'm with Silas, I'm with Paul, Paul, I did a great thing. But why are we in this prison? And then something amazing happened. About midnight, I love this, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. In the midst of the worst circumstance, they decided to pray and sing to the Lord. They had enough joy in them to know I can be locked up, but I have a God that can unlock me anytime I need to. If you're going through something right now, you smile and you pray and you praise God all the way out the situation. He'll break it loose for you. We all got that history. We've all been without jobs. We've all been without something. But God shows up and he always likes to show up at that midnight hour. Woo, boy. Like, I'm about, to, I'm about to give up. And at the midnight hour, God shows up. You ever notice that pattern? You're waiting. You got the midnight. There's a song on that, isn't there? Midnight hour. Got to sing that one day. It's the midnight hour. How God works in impossible situations. Prison breaks open. They're free. The jailer, because he knows if he loses them, his sentence is death. Goes to kill himself. Paul says, oh, hold on. We're still here. See, when you know you're walking with God, and you pray and you praise and you got joy, you imagine when the things fell off, what they were doing? They weren't saying, oh, lucky. I know they must have been jumping around, spinning around, saying, I was in jail, now I'm out. I don't know about you. That's strong. In the midst of prison, they sung. That's how you activate your joy, guys. That's how you activate your joy. You concentrate on the greatness of God, regardless what you're, where you are, 
what's going on in your life. You start praying, you start praising, and things start to change in your life. It's amazing what happens. We see it all through the Bible. When prayer and praise is preceding, victory comes all the time. Even if nothing happens, you're free. You're free. Remember, the, the imitation of that is when you used to drink too much, hoping that you, you feel good, and you go back to the problem with a headache. Here, I get a better perspective. I don't have a headache. I have God. And I know whatever I'm going through, he's going to take care of it. If it's in the midnight hour, I trust him. But when I have God on my side, I got time on my side because he's the author of all time. We're the ones that's caught up with time. He's not. Think about it. That's how you activate your joy. Because when they start singing, I mean, who felt like that? I'm like, Sammy, I ain't singing, man. What am we locked up in this thing for? I ain't even going to hang with you no more, Sammy. <laughs> I just want to preach the gospel. I don't want to get locked up. What an attitude. We're going to pray, and we're going to praise God together. You ever notice that when you are down the worst, we pump it up even higher here? It's by design, because we want you to be free. We don't want you to be bound by something. It's by design. Because we want to help you become free in that moment. And it's uh, a sustaining moment because you do it every day. Because you don't worry about your circumstances. God is the one who changes all circumstances. If you trust him. Which leads to my quote. It says this. Our joy is a proportion to our trust. Our trust is a proportion to our knowledge of God. That's by G. Campbell Morgan. Our joy is proportioned to our trust. Our trust is in proportion to our knowledge of, of God. If you know God and you know he's able and you know he's above and he's not, you're not beneath, you will have the trust in God and you will have joy of the Lord and have strength. But if you don't know him, it can be a little iffy. It can be a little shaky in your life. Because see, joy is a powerful weapon. Powerful weapon. Because God created it so us we will not grow weary. Because when you lose all hope on the external, you never lose hope on the one who's eternal. And we've all been there. You know something? God specializes in that. When you're in that point, he specializes in breaking you free. He specializes in turning that situation around. He's saying, now you need me. Now I want to work. Because you know what happens when he works? People are like, how'd you do that? It's God. Why? Because he'll be glorified through it. Not for me. If I can do it, it's just genie. Think about it. So you know that he has your back or he has your best in mind. You can always have joy. Suppose he walked away from us. There would be no joy, no hope, no faith, no nothing. But we have a God who loves you, who will defend you, who will back you up. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his only begotten son, Jesus. See, we think Jesus was weak. Jesus was strong. It was strong for him to do what he did and how he did it. 
to die on the cross. In fact, they weren't even smart enough to kill him. He had to lay it down. He had to help them kill him for us. And really for God first. And in the benefit of us. Think about it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to end it on it. How you can do that? Will you activate your faith? I love this part. It's about Jesus. You keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You keep your external, you keep your, um, your eyes, your heart, everything that your senses are always going to default to, the, to God, to Jesus. Look at this scripture. It's amazing. Look into Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, what? Set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Excuse me. And this is why I'm giving you this message. Because when you lose track of Jesus, and you lose track of how awesome God is, and you don't have, you have a short memory, this will happen to you. Because you got to consider him who endured from sin in such hostility. He didn't deserve it. We deserved it. Against himself, so you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. There's no joy going to the cross. But there was joy beyond the cross. He saw beyond the cross and saw that he would be back with the Father. A lot of us got to see beyond the circumstance and see God there. And you keep your joy. It bounces over. It's like a vision. If you, win, if you play on a winning team, the coach says, we're going to win a championship tonight. I mean, this, this year. And that's all he keeps saying. Well, what about... We're going to win a championship. You haven't heard me, gentlemen. We're going to win a championship this year. And what do we do? We play like we're going to win the championship this year. And then we win it. So any obstacle or any circumstance, it did not take, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't take away about what he said. Because he said, look beyond the circumstance and you'll see me. In fact, with God, you can look before and you can look beyond, but he's with you through it. Which gives me the byproduct of joy, which is the main product. Because when you lose your joy, you lose everything. Why do you think people commit suicide? Because they lose joy and hope. And the one who gives it and steals it and puts it in us is God himself. On your worst day, God is with you. (laughs) that's good stuff that is the good news not these news the good news on your worst day and you might have thought you blew it today God loves you you know why because Jesus paid the price for the not just for what man did then but what we're going to do later on man you're talking about wiping the slate clean and all we call to do is repent it's been covered that's why we can look beyond. Because we have a guy that looks beyond. Is, is little man, he's not playing keyboard. He's gone. I should have told him to stick around. <laughs> huh? He had a basketball tournament? Okay. I know his coach. I got you, no, you, I'm just kidding. 
In the name of Jesus, anoint my fingers. Hey, I want to do this, guys. This message, I tell you, with joy, if you don't know God or you forgot how awesome it is, it could be a hard pill to swallow because we're conditioned not to enjoy life anymore. We're conditioned to be suspicious. We're conditioned to be skeptical. But our God says, we are victorious. We're more than conquerors. Last time I checked, he's still on the throne. Last time I checked, he's sitting down. And the last time I checked the Bible, I'm sitting with him. Position-wise, that's good news. Can I laugh? No, just kidding. Let's close your eyes. Let me pray. Because I know everyone's in in a spot right now. If you honestly, really, honestly, hearing what I just uh, spoke about, if you're going through something right now, just, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Wow. Keep them up. Let me pray for you guys. I knew it. Father God, we just come to you right now. And Father, I just not pray for the information that was shared tonight. But Father, I pray that revelation was received in the hearts of those who are going through something. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, your grace is sufficient, Lord. Your love is more than enough. I ask that you overwhelm those who are going through something. Show them a pathway. Show them your uh, presence, God, in such a new way, Lord, to let them know that everything is going to be all right, that everything is okay, and that how much you truly love them. Father, I just pray Psalms 139 over them. They've been knitted, knitted and wonderfully made even in their mother's womb, God. And every day that you put together, you have fashion for each and every one of them, Father. Let them recognize they're walking and they're ordained by you, God. And Father, while they're here, you have called them to do great things. But Lord, come alongside of them. Holy Spirit, come alongside of those who need that time. Decisions need to be made, I hear. Father, a lot of things are unanswered. Like, like uh, Habakkuk had unanswered questions, Father. But, Father, we learn one thing, that though we don't know the answer, we know the one who knows the answer. And, Father, it's okay if you don't give me the answer, but I know it's better, even better. I know that if I don't get the answer from you, I do get you, your presence in my life, God. Help us to have faith when we don't even understand, when we don't see the road, when we don't understand the road. But one thing we do understand is you, that you're awesome, and you're a loving Father, and you're amazing to your children. These are your children, God. Bless them. Be with them. Comfort them. In Jesus' name, amen.